The reading is Psalm 119, verses 89 to 120, and can be found on page 620 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. Lamed. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Amen. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. None. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Psalmic. I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Away from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commands of my God. Sustain me, my God, according to your promise, and I shall live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Uphold me, and I shall be delivered. I shall always have regard for your decrees. You reject all who stray from your decrees, for their delusions come to nothing. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your statutes. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Candice, thank you very much uh, for that. We're going to look at that passage in a little bit more detail uh, just for the next few minutes. Uh, But as we begin, I wonder if you've ever heard someone say this uh, in recent times. I think it's done the rounds a little bit about being on, uh, we're on the right side of history. In other words, in the future, they'll judge us as being in the right. We're on the right side of history. We know where the future's going, and we're in the right lane. Uh, Things are going the right way. Uh, They're going there with us. We're on the right side 
uh, of history. It's the sort of claim that we maybe heard uh, something like that in uh, the, the referendum debate a few years ago now. Actually, both sides made it, you know, promising this new glorious future. If you vote with us, if you vote the right way, we'll have this great future. This is where it's going. This is the right side to be on. Uh, come and join us in this prosperous uh, future. Uh, some similar stuff happens in uh, American politics. You might think back a few years to, to Barack Obama. Some of that rhetoric was definitely there in a very different way uh, in 2016 also uh, with, with Donald Trump uh, making big claims about come and join me and I'll take you in the right direction. Uh, these are big claims. And lots of people have claimed that in the past to be going in the right direction, that they know the way the world's going. Some of us will be old enough uh, to remember the middle of the 20th century. Big debate between communism on the one hand and capitalism on the other. And again, both sides made the same argument. We know where the future's heading. We're the future. Follow us. But all those claims are based on temporary standards. And give it a few years, a couple of decades, and they often look very silly claims. It often looks fanciful now to think that such and such a position was definitely the way the future uh, was headed. Uh, that, that it would be a completely fair, even utopia that sort of communism promised that every worker would, would have a share in the means of production and all the rest of it. And you look around and you think, is that, is that really where it was going in the last 50 years? Is that where we've landed? And it can be very confusing and complicated to know where history is going. We've got a cartoon here uh, that, that I came across. Uh, and there's the president talking to his advisors. And you probably can't make the, the line out. But it says, have you figured out how I can be on the right side of history without being on the wrong side of now? Because that's the other thing, isn't it? Sometimes you make claims about where the future's going. But, but it doesn't look that way here and now. And so it's very complicated. What do I do? How do I know how to make my decisions, make my choices in life in such a way that my life will seem to be worthwhile, that it will seem to matter? We want to live well now in a way that will look wise in the future. I mentioned earlier it was A-level results and, and next week GCSE results. So this might be really relevant to some of our teenagers at the minute. You might have some big choices to make. And as you make those big choices, you're thinking, what's going to be the good decision that I'll look back on and say, yeah, that was the right decision. That, that took me down the right path. We want to live in a way that is wise. And Psalm 119, uh, another one of the beautiful truths and wonderful, precious things we see in the psalm is that it helps us with that. It helps us understand how to live now in a way that will look wise in the future, because it reminds us to look again to God's word. And God is the Lord of history. He's the Lord of the past, present, and future. And therefore, if we want to live wisely in a way that will look wise, not just now, but forever, we need to look to him and what he's told us about his world. And we find that in the Bible. And Psalm 119 wants to take us there. I've got three quick things that I want to say. And the first is this, the eternal scope of God's word, the eternal scope of God's word. We have those four paragraphs. And you'll notice in Psalm 119, as we've been going through, each new paragraph begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So we have Lamed, Mem, Nun, Samek. 
Uh, and each uh, paragraph begins with that letter. The first word begins with that letter. Uh, and the, the word that, that begins the paragraph is kind of like the theme for the paragraph. So it's, it's beautifully written and artistically ordered. Uh, and, and in the Lamed paragraph, the word is let alam, and it means forever or eternal. And this is what the psalmist wants us to know. We, we've seen him go through some ups and downs. We've seen his circumstances change. And in all of it, to hold on to and look back to God's word. And, and here we see why that's a wonderful thing to do. Because eternal is your word, O Lord. Eternal. The same word crops up in verse 93. Forever, I will not forget your precepts. Uh, do you see his point? Because God's word is eternal, that is, it's above time and space, it's bigger than any of our situations and circumstances. Because it comes from an eternal God, it is eternally relevant. And therefore, I'll never forget it. I won't reach a point where I say, well, that was for them, but it's not for now. That doesn't matter anymore. That's not really significant anymore. No, eternal is your word, O Lord, and therefore forever I will not forget your precepts. God's word is every bit as relevant in 21st century Britain as it was relevant in Israel in the 8th century BC. Do we believe that? It makes sense, doesn't it, if God himself is eternal. <laughs> if God is a God who is above space and time, then what he says will be relevant everywhere, everywhere. It also means that it won't quite fit into any specific time and place. You see, the psalmist knows that because he's got people who don't think God's word's very important. The, the wicked, the evildoers who oppress him, uh, those in verse 95 who are waiting to destroy him. And so not everyone is going to live that way. Some people are going to look at it and say, it doesn't quite fit for me. Because it's eternal and eternally relevant, it means it doesn't match exactly what any particular time and place say. And that means that if we're going to be like the person in Psalm 119 who make God's law our delight, verse 92, then sometimes we're going to say and believe things that the rest of the world are just going to find weird. Sometimes Christians have believed things that have been way ahead of their time. Uh, you know, the abolition of slavery happened in, what, 18th, 19th, 18th century? Late 18th, early 19th century? Do you know the first Christian bishop who was calling for the outlawing of slavery lived in the 4th century? Way ahead of his time. And sometimes what Christians say and believe will seem very old-fashioned as well. I don't think we need too many examples of that, do we? Maybe you found it where you say that you believe in such and such a thing, and, and people say, really, in this day and age? How can anybody believe that? Yeah, God's word is eternal, and that means it's always going to be relevant. But also, for some people, it doesn't quite fit in any particular time period because it's bigger than all of them. Verse 96 is a beautiful verse, isn't it? To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. It's telling us that, yeah, the, the different ideas and things that we see in the world around us, they all have an end, a limit. They're all time-bound. Whether it's communism or capitalism, whether it's leave or remain, they only have a short shelf life, really. 
But God's word and the ideas in there are boundless. They will be relevant for all time. Do do we believe that? I guess it's the first thing we want to know if we want to live a life now that is wise and will look wise in the future. One of my favorite writers, as most of you will probably know, is uh, G.K. Chesterton. Uh, And he talks about both sides of the political debate, those who are progressives looking, looking forward to the future, to something new, and conservatives who want to preserve the past. He says, but they both make the same mistake. They judge the truth according to time. They, they judge whether the thing is right or wrong because of whether it's of yesterday or today or tomorrow, and they forget what it is in eternity. I would judge truth not by a calendar that tells me whether it happened, but by a creed which tells me whether it ought to have happened. God's word claims to be that truth, uh, that, that compass point that shows us the direction for all eternity and something we can hold on to. The eternal scope of God's word, our first point. But the second point, the present help of God's word. And this is our next two paragraphs, mem and nun. Because it's not just this eternal standard high up there. It's also something that that helps us personally and profoundly day by day. Um, The first paragraph, mem, starts with the word ma'ahav, which means how I love. And and that paragraph's all about how God's word helps us on the inside. It, It helps shape our heart. It it helps direct what we love, how I love your law. I meditate on it. Your commands are always with me. How God's word shapes our mind. It helps us think. It makes me wiser than my enemies. It gives me more insight than my teachers. And wisdom is such a precious thing, isn't it? You know, sometimes we like to be told what to do. Sometimes it is nice just to say, just do this, will you? And you don't have to worry about it and think about it. But Isn't it so much better to have wisdom that enables you to adapt what you do as the world changes? God's law, because it is eternal and eternally relevant, gives us not just simple rules to follow, do X, do Y, study this, go there for university. Maybe that's what you're really longing for right now if you're one of our teenagers, or maybe it's a a new job opportunity, do I take it, do I not? Uh, maybe it's what to do uh, with the time you've been given in your retirement. What what do I do with that? Whatever stage of life you're at, you might have questions. Uh, And maybe sometimes you're just like, it would be so much easier if someone just told me what to do. Go there for university, study that. But the Bible gives us something far more precious and valuable. It gives us insight and wisdom. It gives us Law, which is also instruction. The word Torah means instruction as well. It gives us understanding in verse 100. And that is a precious thing to do because it helps us adapt as situations change. And no wonder then he says how sweet the word is in verse 103. This is a precious thing because it will help me adapt in any and every situation. Well, that's the, the mem paragraph. It's what the word's doing inside us. Um, but, but the nun paragraph starts with the word air, which means lamp. Your word is a lamp for my feet, it says. Uh, it's not just helping us think and believe and love correctly in our hearts. It is also something which gives us a direction to go in. It might not give us a specific do this now, but it lights a path. We've seen this a few times, haven't we? In, uh, in the psalm already, uh, that if we 
put God's word in our hearts, if we love what it loves, if we walk with our Lord, that will direct us in certain ways. It will mean we, do, we will do some things and we won't do others. We will be those who are committed to telling the truth, even when it's difficult. We will be those who will never want to cheat or steal anyone out of anything, even when it's just so easy and no one would ever know. Uh, we will be those who love life and want to see it preserved and protected at both the young end and the old end. All life is sacred and precious to God. Now, sometimes in life, we will face trials and feel downcast, and the psalm has been very honest about that. But if God's word is with us every day, our present help, It can change the way we think and feel in the midst of our trials. And it can give us a helpful direction to go in, uh, something to light our path so that we know roughly which direction to be walking in. And so verse 112, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. It might not tell you exactly what to do in a particular situation at work, but it'll give you the principles of speak truthfully, speak honestly, speak kindly, speak for the good of other people. These two paragraphs have a number of uh, images and metaphors, uh, particularly four, feet, mouth, hands, heart. Feet, mouth, hands, heart. Uh, And they're really helpful for us. Uh, uh, Feet, where where am I walking? Who am I spending my time with? Where where am I going with my life? Mouth, how am I speaking? What are the sorts of things that I'm saying? And and who am I talking to? Who am I letting influence me? And who am I influencing? Uh, Hands, what am I actually doing? What actions am I undertaking? And heart, what am I loving? What am I desiring? Now, those four are all connected. Where you walk will affect how you speak. You, you, you don't realize that? You know, you walk with a particular group of friends and you start talking in a particular way with one group and it might be very different how you talk with another group. I remember that as a teenager, talk one way at church, one way at school. It's very easily done, isn't it? Who you walk with determines often how you talk. Uh, it determines uh, how you walk and talk. It determines what you do, what, what you're going to do with your time, what you're going to invest in what you're going to think is important. And ultimately, those things will determine what you love, what you want out of life, what you're chasing after. I think there are four good images, feet, mouth, hands, heart, four used in those two paragraphs. I'll just give you a moment of quiet now to think about one of those four, maybe. Maybe if you've got all four of them, you can come back to one each day for the next few days. But just think about one of them and say, Where am I going with my feet? And and would that look any different if I allowed God's word to mark out my steps? What am I saying with my mouth? And would that look any different if God's word was the thing that was shaping? Let me just give you 30 seconds in quiet to think about one of those four. the eternal scope of God's word, the present help 
of God's word. And final uh, point, the dividing power of God's word. And this is the paragraph Samak. Uh, and the word uh, that, that starts this paragraph is fear. And that means literally division. Uh, and so it's the, it's, it says double-minded people in our translation, but it's people of a divided mind. People of a divided mind. And division is very much the theme of this paragraph. Because this paragraph is quite somber. It says there are two groups of people. There are people like the psalmist, those who love God's law. But there are people of a divided mind, also called in verse 115, evildoers. Also called uh, those who reject, uh, those who stray from God's decrees. You see, we thought about how am I going to live wisely in a way that will look wise in the future. And we had that cartoon of the president saying, how can I live uh, in a way that's, that's good for the future but good for now as well? And sometimes those two things are going to clash. It's a very complicated and, and a difficult thing. But the Bible says there are, there are two kinds of people. This psalm says there are two kinds of people. There are those who let their feet, mouth, hands and hearts be directed by God's words. And there are those who stray from God's word and let other things direct their feet, mouth, hands, and hearts. They reject the wonderful gift of a God who speaks to us in love uh, to show us his eternal glory, to show us his present love, to show us his perfect plan and his wonderful way of salvation. Now, given the power of the God we worship and the power of his word, it is a right response to get to verse 120, isn't it? It's my, my flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe uh, of your laws. I should have this right awe, for, awe uh, and trust in a God who is greater than me. I should say, no, it is an important and a mighty thing to, to listen to this God and allow him to direct me rather than directing myself or letting someone else uh, direct me. Because their rules, their laws will be temporary and only give temporary help and support. But God's word is eternal. See, what this psalm says is being on the right side of history in the end isn't the final thing. The final thing is being on the right side of eternity. And you can only be on the right side of eternity by being on the right side of the God of eternity. By clinging to his word, letting his promise of salvation be what you love most. And letting that be what directs your steps. The Bible tells us that this Lord of eternity came into history. He appeared as a man. And when he came down, he was crucified on a cross. And on that Friday when he died, to all the world's eyes, it looked like he was definitely on the wrong side of history. A here today, gone tomorrow, prophet, pseudo-messiah, who would disappear as soon as he arrived. Only three days later, he was raised again and taken up to the eternal throne in heaven. And the Bible says he is the judge, the divider, of the living and the dead. All of our lives will be measured by what we make of him, what we do with him, and whether we allow him and his word to be our heart's desire and the thing that directs 
our steps. And the word is so precious because at every point it keeps its eyes on eternity. It is an eternal word. And that means it can be a present help here and now because it helps us continually direct our hearts, thoughts, steps back to the Lord of eternity. The precious word of God directs our eyes back to the Lord Jesus. And only a life lived for him ultimately will be shown to be on the right side of history because only a life lived for him will be on the right side of eternity. For he is both Lord of history and Lord of eternity. We're going to sing again in a moment a song that reminds us to keep our eyes on him to keep our, our lives fixed on the promises, the precious and wonderful promises he's given us. Because that Lord of eternity says that those who direct their steps in his path will be taken up with him and share in his eternal glory forever. What a promise of salvation that is. Let me pray, and then if you're able, we'll stand and sing. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you it is eternal, and yet a help here and now. Thank you that it is powerful, and even though it might make us uncomfortable to think that it's a dividing word, and it can even divide our own hearts, the Bible tells us, it will prod and poke at those things that are not pleasing to you and help us redirect our lives and our steps in a way that is. Help us to see its preciousness and its value. And help us to love it like sweet honey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.